Get ready for another informative, educational, and inspirational story on one of the hottest podcasts in the world. Forget what your clock says and get comfortable. It's time for another edition of It's Primetime Somewhere with your host, J.D. Williams. Now let's meet today's guest. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another edition of It's Primetime Somewhere. We are certainly glad that you have tuned in today. My name is J.D. Williams, located here in beautiful East Texas, and my guest today is Mr. Mark Anthony Powers. And Mark, welcome to It's Primetime Somewhere. Thank you, J.D. Well, sir, uh, I ask this of everybody. This is how I kick off every single podcast, and you're, excuse me, you're not going to escape the question. Who in the heck is Mark Anthony Powers? Well, you introduced me as Mr. Mark Anthony Powers. Uh, (laughs) I I started my professional life as Dr. Mark Anthony Powers. I I did pulmonary critical care medicine for almost four decades, uh, and uh, finally retired uh, from Duke University, where I was on the faculty. Um, you know, it's a, it was a job where I was going 100 miles an hour every day, with rare exception. And uh, when I got ready to retire, my wife said, "You need to have something you're going towards, not just something you're going away from, because right. you, you you've been going all these years. You you can't have just a, a void waiting for you." So I signed up for a lot of classes. Uh, we have a lifetime learning institute in, in Durham, North Carolina, at Duke, and I signed up for five different classes and one of them was on writing novels and so i didn't anticipate that i was actually going to write a novel but i started one and i and i, I went ahead and kept writing it just uh, enjoyed it and found a group of novelists that were also writing novelists and we meet every two weeks and read each other's work and uh, it keeps us writing because we all enjoy each other's company enjoy what each other has to say we, we've all developed thick skins because we don't hold back when we are telling each other what we think of their work. Uh, so um, it's a good, honest group of people and uh, helps our writing to have honest critiques. Um, so I started out, I wrote the first novel, uh, which turned into Breath and Mercy. Uh, it wasn't the first novel I published. Uh, it was a kind of end of career novel because I. it was about uh, a young doctor who's, um, suddenly having to face life and death decisions in critically ill patients and, and sort of the agonizing decisions he has to make and 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 some of them come back to haunt him to threaten him and so that's that that's what that first book is about um, i i wasn't satisfied with the writing you know because it was the first first work and right. so i kind of put it in the drawer and didn't publish it um but i kept writing and wrote this second novel which was a sequel and, and that was a swarm in May, and that one came, I was quite satisfied with right away. Uh, my editor liked it. Uh, she, um, you know, she recommended I start searching around, try to find an agent, you know, go the traditional publishing route, and and uh, you know, I just decided I'd just go ahead and publish it myself, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and did that, and it uh, it's it's been well received, uh, and I was I was very happy with it. Um, uh, it's about the same doctor twenty years later. And he's now in a position where he's supervising interns and residents in an intensive care unit, teaching them pulmonary and critical care medicine. And he has a very sick patient that's on a respirator with tetanus. 
because the man's never had a tetanus vaccination. He's never been to a doctor and he's never had a tetanus vaccination. And he's very sick. And it, and it turns out his, his son is a, is a, a racist, an unapologetic racist. And the intern on the case is a, is a young black man. And the, as his father gets sicker and sicker, the, because I'm not going to tell you what happens, but somebody is doing something to sabotage the efforts to take care of this man. Okay. And uh, the son is getting more and more furious and, and starts threatening the team, especially the young black intern. And then it, it just explodes from there. So that was that one was published and it's um, it's it's done well. And uh, book clubs have, have enjoyed it. And I've met with some of them and, and done some some more podcasts and such. Um, while I was doing that, I was rewriting and rewriting and rewriting the first novel. And uh, I finally got to the point where I liked it. I'd cut 50 pages out of it that I thought was extra. Um, I you know, polished it up. I gave it to my editor and she said, yeah, we need to go ahead and publish this. So, so then that one came out in um, May of last year, almost a year ago. Okay. And uh, while we were getting all that going, I wrote the third novel, um, which is uh, Nature's Bite. And uh, in that one, the same character uh, is quite a bit older. He's at, at the end of his career, and uh, it's, uh, it takes place actually a, a year from now, and it's in the future. Uh, and uh, he's dealing with respiratory illnesses due to climate-related problems, uh, and uh, the world is more polarized. Uh, there's more... Um, pesticide use and other toxins in the environment and, and he's dealing with all of that um, and he gets roped into some some political situations at the highest level against his will and uh, uh -huh. so that's that's nature's bite and uh, and then I'm writing a fourth one now uh, which is uh, further along and he's he's developed a medical problem and it's very serious uh, but he, he he still needs to solve some people's problems even while he's suffering himself and uh and that's that's the one i'm working on now um so anyways i didn't expect to be taking this journey um i've enjoyed it uh, i've enjoyed with talking talking to people like you and and uh enjoyed talking to my readers hearing what they have to say uh and uh that's kind of a long answer to your question but um there it is. That's that's who well, I am. I also I like I like long answers. It, it saves me a lot of time. Trust me. <laughs> you, you, you had something else to add. Go ahead. Yeah, when I'm not writing, I, I there are other things I like to do. I'm, I'm my wife and I keep bees, um, so we we're, 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 we have bees in our yard, and I take care of some bees over at the community garden in, in, in Durham, North Carolina. Um, so we do a little bit of education on that. Um, a few years ago, I was president of the County Beekeepers Association, and during that time, I became a certified master beekeeper, which is like becoming a, you know, master plumber or master electrician, is journeyman, etc. Right. The, the trade well, routes. I tell you what, uh, being allergic to them, seriously oh. allergic to them, just thinking about it scares me. <laughs> so, well, I, I mean, nothing against bees, okay, except I just that they don't, me and them don't mix. Um, you yeah. know, I used to when I was young and, you know, playing sports like, you know, if I was out in a baseball field or even going to a, um, even in a stadium, I could like Texas Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys used to play in the 70s and stuff, okay, go and sit in the, in the stands. I promise you, if there's a bee in Texas Stadium, it will find me. 
Okay. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. You're a doctor. You explain it. But they find me. Uh, so uh, now that I live out here in the country in a town with only 3,000 people in it, you can imagine how many bees we got. We got a bunch of them. Anyway, that's yeah, you, side you, note there. And Texas bees, some of them are, are mean bees. Yeah. Um, the, the Africanized bees have reached Texas, and, and, yeah. uh, and, and some of them you don't want to mess with. No, no. I, I, well, I don't mess with bees, wasps, um, hornets, and we got them all. You know, yeah, we got, we got everything here, everything in the world. Now, I want to go back real, real quick. Um, so your second novel, actually, um, you wrote it first, it's, and your second one, you wrote it second, uh, just to get that. Just, right. just to get that. How in the world were you able to mingle it back in? You know, well, I mean, yeah, each novel stands by itself. You can read okay. each novel, and it'll be a, it'll be a story. Okay, uh, but. They're true to each other too. I mean, they're, each one has something dangling at the end that ties into the next one, and it's okay. not a big thing. But it's, when somebody finishes, they're going to say, "Well, what about so and so? What happened?" <laughs> uh huh. Okay. So, or, or yeah. So, anyways, uh, and the, the the same character, the same main character is Phineas Mann, uh, M.D., and uh, his wife is Irish Mann, and he he meets her on the first page of the first novel, and. Uh, and she's with him through the whole journey. Through all, and it's the whole four novels will span over fifty years. Wow! Uh, so yeah. it's, it's well. It, now, is any of this stuff that you're writing about? Does it, in some way, kind of go back in what you did for a living, your career as a medical doctor? Yeah. Are are you pulling it, it, some of the? I'm not saying a specific case, but maybe. A combination of cases or whatever in in putting together these novels. It's all fiction. All the stories are fiction. The characters are fictional. But I have seen a case of tetanus. I took care of a case of tetanus some years ago. I, I have seen the current novel I'm writing is from a case I saw in the in the 1970s. Uh, and so I have I've lived a lot of what I write. Okay. Uh, but it is it's all fictional. I mean I've right. drawn from my and, and it's all medically valid. You know, it's it's not like some of the TV shows where they kind of make things up that make it right. that more yeah. dramatic. It's all yeah. it's all medically valid. Yeah. Well, you know, I, was, I used to watch a, a show way back in the seventies. You'll, I'm sure, be aware of it, um, Quincy, uh, Quincy uh, M E or something like Medical Examiner. And mm -hmm. the the reason I'm thinking about it is because uh, some of the um, cases that they discussed were um, from a Dr. Lee, I believe it was, back up on the East Coast, real well-known um, doctor in forensic medicine. And he was a contributor to it and helped uh, help put the character together. So, you know, it, it sounds kind of like you are, are taking not a specific case, like I said, not, you know, where you're not intruding on anyone's privacy or anything like that, but just your, your experience. And then taking that to a completely different level. And then that, that's pretty cool. That's really many pretty good. The, many of the conditions that I write about, I've seen. Uh, and, and in the 1970s, I, I never saw that show. I think I might have heard of it, but uh -huh. in the 70s, I, I was in school and residency. <laughs> and then in the 80s, I was in fellowship and starting practice yeah. and a family. Well, and, and yeah, I you didn't have, watch TV. <laughs> you have quite the resume here, uh, and that is for sure. 
Uh, now, it says here that you grew up in a small town in West Lebanon, New Hampshire. What, what was the size of that town, by the way? Was it, Do you remember? You know, I I would guess somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people. Okay. It's, it's, it's a lot bigger now because two interstates now cross there, and it's and, uh, there's a Dartmouth Medical School and, and medical centers down the road now, and okay. and, uh, yeah. and there's other things that have, have come there. But when I was a kid, there was one grocery store, and it was a general store. Right. And uh, we knew the butcher by the first name, right. and uh, there was one drugstore right next to it. And uh, I used to go there. Um, I used to be an altar boy, and I would go there between masses sometimes and, <laughs> and, get, and get breakfast. Uh, and, and there was um, one library. Uh, the biggest store in town was the feed store. Yep. Uh, so mm. I, I, you know, I, I don't. I think it was a really small town. My 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 sisters. My younger sister remembers it a little bigger than I, I do, but I, I remember it as a very small town when I was a kid. Yeah. Big, you know, on my bicycle, riding around, going to the barber to get a haircut you know, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. I, yeah, well, you know, I, I grew up sort of like you did. Uh, I went on summer vacations, went to a, a little town called Lipan, Texas, and it, I think it had maybe 500 to 1,000 people. We had like a section of land out there that the family did. Or you know, family farm, old family farm. It was established way back in the 1800s, and it was a really, really little town. And now I live in a small town. Um, you know, like I told you, about 3,000 people total in the whole town. So you can relate to a lot of that. You know, having grown up mm -hmm. in 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 a small area, but you didn't stick around in any small area. That is for sure. Uh, as you went on to Cornell University, uh, mm -hmm. studying there, and it says that you got into Russian. The Russian language? I, you know, I, I needed to take a liberal. I was an engineer major, engineering major, and I needed to take a liberal. Um, and at the time, those, what was going on with Russia was kind of intriguing. And I thought, well, yeah. I, I, was, I was pretty good in French in high school. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just try to see what it's like to learn another language. And so I took a year of Russian and uh, and. You know, and it was enough to what they call qualify. I scored high enough on the test at the end of it to, to for that. Um, I, I, still, I can't remember any of it now, hardly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I took I, French. I, did, I don't remember any of it either. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I also took creative writing because there were tremendous authors coming out of that part that part of the world at that time. You know, we had faculty on uh, Nabokov was on the faculty. You know, Kurt Vonnegut had come out of Cornell. Um, Thomas Pynchon had come out of Cornell. I mean, there were some really famous authors that had uh, had come out of there, and the, and the creative writing program that was very strong. So I took a year of creative writing there, and you know that's one of the things I started. One of the reasons I took the novel writing class when I finished um, my career because I I always liked reading fiction. Mm -hmm. and I, I wondered what it would be like to to write it again. I, I you know what I wrote back in college, I'm sure it was terrible, but um, you know, compared to what I try to write now, but. Um, <laughs> But at least it got you started. Yeah, it got you, you know, the uh, writing bug must have bit you even back then. But, you know, yeah. you didn't go to any, I mean, I went to the University of Texas, okay? I, that's where that's I cool. went, University of Texas in Austin. But you didn't play around. You went to, like, the top tier, you know, this always just, like, blows me completely out of the out of the water here. Um, because it's, you got your MD from Dartmouth. I mean, I mean, unbelievable. You know, here, here we go. Uh, one major school to another major school. Uh, number one, why did you change? Okay, why did you switch schools? Right. 
And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I started to say, how'd you pay for it? But that, you know, that's, that's back you know, then. That's a whole different thing back then. Go ahead. It didn't cost that much back then. Not like right. it does these days. Right. You know, exactly. I think, it, I think a, a semester at, at Cornell was like under $1,800 for a wow. tuition. Yeah. You know, back it's then, crazy. I think med medical school was um, like $8,000 a year in tuition, uh, when I, which is, you know, now it's you know, 10 times that or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, crazy. yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so why did I switch? Well, let's see. I, at Cornell, I started out and supposed to be in civil engineering, and then right. I was taking courses in structures, which involved using a lot of higher math, which I I liked to you know analyze structures, and it, and it just it just got really kind of tedious. And I found I like chemistry a whole lot better, so I switched to chemical engineering, and I loved the chemistry, but realized that most chemical engineers were going to do plant design when they finished. Uh, uh, Optimum. Okay. A lot of it was in the petroleum industry, and a lot of it was in, um, you know, Dow Chemicals and things like that. And I, and it just didn't intrigue me. I took a lot of microbiology while I was there, and and then I decided, you know, I could, I could try to go to medical school, and if I don't get in, I could go to work in the making beer or making wine or I could or I could or making pharmaceuticals because right. I know the chem and I know how to make produce things. So, but I got into medical school, so I I went and. Uh, and enjoyed it. I thought Dartmouth was a great place to go to medical school. Um, n none of the urban stresses because it's in a, a you know more rural setting. Right. Um, you know, I, and I I enjoyed it there. Um, and then when I was looking for residencies, I had a couple of residents I worked with when I was at Dartmouth who'd come from University of North Carolina, and they just praised it a lot. And so I came here for a visit, and I I just had a great visit here. I just loved it in Chapel Hill. And uh, the people that I met on the faculty were, were really nice to me. And, and uh, so I came here for residency and then stayed for a fellowship. Oh, and then yeah. at the end, wow. end I mean, of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your resume. I'm, I don't want to interrupt you because you're, you're, I want you to go on there. But at least you went back to a state school. I mean, you know, they, I, now I got a comparison. University of Texas, University of North Carolina. You know, that, at least I'm, I'm on that level. I think, you know, you had me beat with Dartmouth and all this other stuff. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> Texas is, Texas is a great school. I have a, a good friend who went there and majored in chemistry and, and, uh, he, he's, he got a quality education. He's, he's now on the faculty at Vanderbilt. So he, yeah. he Texas is a very good school. Yeah. Um, I don't take anything away from it. It's just that I know, I know what it takes to get into one of those into Cornell or into Dartmouth. You know I mean? I got into Texas because I could play basketball. I'm just going to be honest wow. with you, okay? I, uh, that I, I I got a full ride, so you know I'm good wow. with that. <laughs> good for you. I, 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 I could never play basketball that well. I played soccer and baseball because I'm not <laughs> never basketball. All right, uh, now let me. Uh, I'm going to kind of reboot here, get back to the book a little bit. Uh, because, you know, that's what we're trying to we, we want people to go out there and grab a copy of your book for sure. And you got three of them. And now I understand you got a fourth one that you told me about. And that one's going to be coming out and coming down the pike here pretty quick. Give us a web address for it or a location where people can go out and purchase your book. Okay. it's on, You can get it through Amazon. You can get it through Barnes & Noble uh, online. You can get it through Ingram Spark, uh, which is bookshop.org. And you can get it if you go to my website, markanthonypowers.com, it'll take you to all three places that you can just push a button and it'll take you to the book on the web on the, yeah. that website. On
Donner Barnes Noble or Ingram Spark. And one thing I noticed is you've got some specials running on your website for, you know, if people want to uh, pick up all three books at the same time, they can do that and get a a little bit of a special deal, right? Right. Yeah. The the whole three book uh, series is is $9.99 for their ebook right now. Um, The... uh, you, you can't run specials on the paperbacks because that's the, you know, the, the yeah. publisher, the brick and mortar part yeah. of it. Uh, the uh, and, and just a few weeks ago, because I'm getting ready to hopefully in the next few months put out the fourth book, and I want people to read the the first three. Um, I lowered the price on the individuals to three ninety nine uh, okay. for the eBooks on the yeah. others. Uh, so that you know that, that that's that's less than a cup of coffee in most places. So yeah. and yeah. well, <laughs> you can learn learn. Medicine and other things. <laughs> well, speaking of a cup of coffee, one one of the things that I noticed and I, it kind of caught my eye on uh, what they presented to me here was uh, two cups of coffee and two hours of writing most mornings produced a swarm in May, which was that second book, which was really your first book, right? Yeah. So, I mean... The first, uh, the first publication. The first publication, yeah, yeah, yeah. Publication, so, right. Um, now, were you writing at all while you were in medicine? I mean, I know a doctor's life has got to be awful. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just being, you know, I mean, because if if you, you know, if you got a patient that's in trouble, I mean, you know, you got to go, mm-hmm. right? So uh, that I was in the airline industry, and as a manager, you know, in management and that kind of thing. I mean, I've been on vacation. I was in Las Vegas one time, and I got a call that somebody just hit a one of our planes with a belt loader, which is the thing that puts the luggage up on the plane, uh, mm-hmm. on the ramp in Dallas and was taking a plane down. I don't know what they thought I could do about it from Las Vegas, but I, you know, I got that call and then I've got to deal with it. So I'm sure that you got a lot of calls all hours of the days and nights about, you know, certain mm-hmm. patient in trouble, you know? So that's yeah. what I mean by your, your life had to be miserable because it was like mine. You're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, right? There were some hundred hour weeks. Um, I bet. There, yeah. There were, there were times when I worked hard all day long, maybe got home for a little bit and then went right back in and hardly yeah. slept and then worked all the next day. I mean, there were, there were times yeah. when that happened. Yeah. And, uh, Man. You know, yeah. didn't have a That's, choice. Just, that's that's a rough life, you know. Um, it it really is. But um, now you've turned your attention to a whole different thing. I'm, you know, we'll, we'll talk about your bees a little bit, I guess. But um, like I said, excuse me, the heebie-jeebies just thinking about them, you know. Um, and and that's because of a severe allergy. I you know want to make that sure. clear to people. I don't have a bad intentions of bees. I just wish it didn't have bad intentions for me. And we'd be, you know, we'd get along just fine. Trust me. Um, but did, did you did you have uh, any writing during your time as a doctor, or was was that just an all inclusive? I've got to focus one hundred percent on that. Um, most of what I did was clinical care and teaching. Okay, you know, I, I I wrote several lectures for for the residents and fellows um, to on various pulmonary subjects uh, and critical care subjects. Um, I wrote several papers, uh, but they were medical uh, papers. Um, mm-hmm. Not as many as a lot of people in academic medicine, because, you know, there are people who write, publish hundreds of, of papers. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I, I, that was not my focus. Um, my wife once pointed out that uh, 
half the uh, half the publications that you can pull up on the web right now have only been read by the author and the reviewers, uh, mm -hmm. and and then. Uh, saying and, and few of them are cited so they're basically saying there's a, a lot of extra publication on there and i every time i thought about writing something i i, I said is this really going to add to the literature and sometimes mm -hmm. a lot of times i talk myself out of it um yeah but if you go to, if you go to my duke website uh it'll um you, you'll see some of the papers that i did write in medicine uh, but they're, they're they're different things i wrote about the effect of obesity on on the respiratory system i, I wrote about uh, unusual cases that i saw um, I wrote about respiratory failure, things like that, uh, but yeah. not a large volume of medical publications. Yeah. Well, now, um, you were pretty much specialized, right? I mean, you, um, pulmonary, mm -hmm. pulmonary, I hope I'm saying mm -hmm. that right, pulmonary disease. Right. So, um, that's a tough one. I mean, that's a, like a, a leap thing there that's not that that's not going to dr collip down here on the corner you know that's that's up there I, i'm sure dr collip's a very good doctor and i salute the people that do general medicine because there's so much to keep up with these days you know when you're a specialist you have a a narrow area you need to know really well right and uh, and and that's what we try to do and uh, but when you do critical care medicine you have to know a broad spectrum of medicine when people are at a very tough stage of it a very, right. very severe stage of it. right um so and i was board certified in critical care for 30 years while i was doing that and uh, wow. and it's a that, that was probably the hardest job i i like the pulmonary part of it at the end the best at the beginning when you're young you love the excitement of the intensive care unit but as right. you get up in your 50s and 60s you start thinking gee you know i'd like to part where you sit back and think about a tough case not and you're not in there <laughs> up to your elbows <laughs> well you know they, I, I know it, it it has to have taken up a tremendous amount of your time it's you know it's unbelievable and, and you're you're to be commended for helping people uh one, one thing that i want to you know learn from you i guess is what is the stage I mean, you know, you hear stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, you know, and just all these different things. But what's the average? You know, if when, when somebody comes in to see their doctor, you know, it takes time for, I guess, for a person to know they've got a issue, right? So, you know, what is the normal stage that somebody comes in at? And by the way, we've only got like a minute. So if you want to hold up on answering that until the second half of the show, we can do that. Well, we saw a lot of different stages uh, for for different conditions, and uh, we could talk about some of them if you want. Mm -hmm. We, yeah. we uh, like like COPD or you know emphysema, right. yeah, um, or something like that. That's got four stages by the uh, the way the literature categorizes it. And right. we saw mostly people later in their stages that were referred by other doctors. Right. And, yeah. and and being at Duke, we often saw people that were referred by other pulmonologists when they needed help um, so we saw sometimes people who are at the reaching the final stages uh, that we yeah. tried to you know what what's next uh, what do yeah. you do for these people uh, right. so we and we saw the cases of of asthma that were baffling and and uh, other doctors and people were you know, having life-threatening episodes with and well no we're, we'll get back to it right after this really quick break with the second half of its prime time somewhere 
Attention podcasters, influencers, media personalities, content creators, and aspiring or existing radio personalities. KRRB Revelation Radio now offers the opportunity to broadcast or syndicate both new or existing shows to all 50 states and more than 160 countries around the world. And if you currently operate a radio station, we offer you the opportunity to add several popular shows in virtually every genre for broadcast on your station. Choose programming from 30 minutes to two hours with each internationally syndicated show adding quality content sure to grow your listening audience. We even have excellent optional services to help you promote your show or station. These services are not only designed for audio use on the radio, but also include tools for use on social media, even YouTube. For more information, visit www.revelationradio.net or email the Ustreamit LLC broadcast network at office at ustreamit.net today. And welcome back, everybody, to the second half of It's Prime Time Somewhere. And again, my guest today is Mr. Mark Anthony Powers, and uh, he has retired from the medical field after how many years, Mark? It was close to 40 after medical school. Uh, finished med school in 77 and retired in 2017. Wow. Well, you, uh, you were in school about the same time I was. I, I graduated high school in 76 and graduated from the University of Texas in 1980. Uh, but, um, you know, so that's kind of a correlation there, but the thing is, is is you went on and on and on and on and on. And I, I, I got out of school, (laughs) I got out of school, got into the airline industry, you know, and then that, that was, that was my life there. Now we were talking about the stages thing and, you know, I, I don't want to put too much time into it because I know that you're here to talk about your current works. Uh, but at the same time, I know that there's people out there that are interested in this, you know, the progression. Uh, you mentioned COPD. My wife seem, happens to have that. Um, so, you know, wh- people normally go to their doctor. How how would they even know they've got it and to ask about? Or does a doctor realize that when they do an examination? And I'll, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm one of those people that just doesn't go to doctors. I just don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I always felt like I always felt like you know I'm good, and but then if I go see a doctor, they find something bad, so I just don't go. <laughs> that's me. That, that's just me personally. Go ahead. Uh, I, I don't go if I don't have to either. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a doctor saying that. Okay, all right. That gives me that. That gives me some reassurance. I I, I know when I need to go. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So when uh, when do people normally even figure it out, or or do, does a doc a doctor figure it out first? As far as you know, some kind of a pulmonary thing, or a, a... are we talking about COPD now, or are we talking yeah, about well, e- either one, either one, or both, or or something else? You know, what whatever whatever's in your wheelhouse, yeah. I guess. Well, I think most of the time people are having some symptom, a lot you okay. know, shortness of breath, or right. cough, or we- wheezing, or something like that. Um, you know, if, if somebody has been a smoker, a doctor might suggest a breathing test that might make the diagnosis or, or tell them right. that's what they have. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are, are protocols of treatment that a lot of times primary care doctors will initiate. Uh, and then if things aren't going as well as they'd like it, for the patient's satisfaction, then they might refer them to, to me or to yeah. one of my colleagues. That's when they sign you up. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. now... Now, in fairness, so let's get back to, to what you're here for. And that is, okay. we're, we're going to begin with a swarm in May. 
Okay, now it say, it tells me here that this is the debut novel. Um, right. And things about racism, that's a tough topic. I'll let you address mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you address that one first. And of course, I'm I'm not asking you to give away your book. You know, I'm not telling, you know, okay, here's what it says and all that kind of stuff, but you know, just just some little basics, what whatever you want people to know that'll entice them to go out there and grab that book. Yeah, well, it just it examines the extra burden that's put on this medical intern that's trying to take care of a sick person um, mm-hmm. by the, the, the threats, the, the, uh, the, the, the bad things that are said to him by the family member who was who, mm-hmm. a racist. Um, and, you know, in North Carolina, back in, I mean, it's still there, it's still there some, and it's, sure. uh, it's been, been here for a long time. And, yeah. Um, so I, I thought it was worth writing about. I, I wrote yeah. about it before uh, George Floyd was. I wrote the book before George Floyd was murdered, um, mm-hmm. and I, and, uh-huh. and that, you know, I, so it talks a lot about the gym, uh, some things that happened during the Jim Crow era when all the, the you know the statues went up to right. um, people that well, the daughters. We of, had our share uh, of uh, racist stuff down here in Texas. No doubt, no doubt about it, you know, and I was in, uh, coming up, um, in the 1960s going to school back then. Uh, actually I had never seen a, uh, an African-American black person. I'm not trying to, you know, I don't know the proper politically correct way of saying it, but I had never seen a, uh, I'd never seen a black person in my life until I went to junior high. And I attended the only school in that particular town that I went to that integrated. So we had all mm-hmm. the all the black students coming. It was like a caravan of buses that came in. So I understand what racism is all about. I understand also that if people will just leave their kids alone and let the kids come together and be together, you'll be mm-hmm. all right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really, you know, that's really the, the truth of the matter. I, uh, one of my very best friends was black. And we had this conversation, uh, I believe, when we were still in junior high. If not, it would have been in high school. And I told him how scared I was when I first saw him. And he said, "You think you're scared? We were terrified, you know." I'm so, you know, so mm-hmm. you know that's uh, you know that that's so, so much for that. I am not a racist. I do not. Uh, I I fight it as as much as I can. And again, I think if parents had, and uh, communities and stuff would just leave people alone and just let the kids get to know each other and play with each other. We'd solve all these problems real quick. That's my perspective on it. Yeah. It also talks a little bit about the, the whitewashing of American history. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what the, the, the black interns fiance is writing a, a PhD thesis on the Wilmington massacre. I don't know if you've ever heard about that. Uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. It was a, an, an integrated community in, in 1898 with, um, black and white people that were uh, on the city council and mayor and the newspapers and, and uh, the um, politicians and the, and the red shirts um, came in and just uh, with a Gatling gun and, and cleared uh. the town and took, and took over. And, uh. Uh, and, that, and, and that's not known a lot about history. So I, I um, talked that, that entered into mm. that novel. Um, so it's a, it looks at that. It, it also has a lot of family stuff in it because um, the the son is finding out stuff that his father went through 
back in the book Breath and Mercy, mm -hmm. and uh, and from the internet. Um, and so it's, it talks a little about the internet. It talks about families dealing with stress that they're going through, and um, and there's also baseball in it. Yeah, because the kids I saw that. Yeah, yeah. He's a pitcher on the little mm -hmm. league baseball team, and and the main character, the father, uh, is his father who has to is drafted in sort of frequently as an assistant coach and there's some there's some drama in a, in a baseball game um so it's it, it got a lot of stuff i used to coach little league baseball and uh, played baseball when i was growing up and actually in my 30s i played on a roy hobbs team which is a, an ah. over 30s team uh, which was a lot of fun so um i brought that in because i enjoyed it and i thought it added to the story uh and and of course uh, the fact that the first character you meet is the guy with tetanus and never had a vaccination so it talks a little bit about the year is set in the year that the anti-vax movement started uh -huh. you know, the, the uh in 1998 that's the year the book takes place uh in and, and uh so it talks a little bit about the origins of that so uh -huh. so it's got a, a, some messages but it's also got i think a, a pretty riveting story and yeah. uh, and it just it, it builds until the climax and so yeah. I, I think People have enjoyed it. And, uh, well, let me ask you this. You, know, you, you said that, that uh, Breath and Mercy, that was the uh, was supposed to be the first one, right? Yep. Or, or, okay. Mm -hmm. And so why didn't you f publish it first? Or why, why didn't it go out first instead of the other right. one? I mean, you, you said you weren't happy yeah. with it. I understand that. But um, why didn't you just concentrate on that? Why did you jump to another one? You just want to... Fresh start or what? Because I, because I was writing continuously, and uh, so I was I'd, I'd written the Breath and Mercy, and I'd put it aside because I didn't think it was ready for publication. And meanwhile, I'd written a Swarm in May, and okay. my editor said it was ready, and okay. uh, and I it, it felt like it felt like a book that would be a better introduction to me as a writer. Okay, uh, because it's it, it's a. It takes place over one month. It's it's got a crisp story. There's a lot going on, but it, it you know it it has your traditional Hollywood story arc. You know it, it right. builds to a climax. Right. And, and, and okay, okay. And I won't say what yeah, it I'm, is. I was just curious. I, I was just curious. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not a writer. Obviously, I'm a talker. You know, but and so mm -hmm. I'm I'm always interested in in you know how an art how a an artist and you know an author is an artist how you guys come up with this kind of stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. how, how long did it take you to, um, you, you wrote breath, breath and mercy. And I think you said it took you a while to do that, but you still weren't happy with it. How long did it, right. how long did it take you to do, um, to do the one that you did end up publishing first, this, uh, a swarm in May, how long did the, well, I, how, how long did that take? I, I, I did finally get happy with Breath of Mercy. Yeah, uh, but, obviously but you got it out there now. Yeah, okay, go ahead. It, it, I probably had to rewrite it twenty times before I got it where I wanted. So, <laughs> but so you got a, you people, you'd be surprised how much work can go into writing a book. I mean, you, you don't just sit down and type two pages a day for one hundred and fifty days, and you got a three hundred page book. You know, yeah. that that might be your first draft. Yeah, but uh, so uh, each one of my first drafts took a year. Okay, uh, and and then there's the editing. Well, there's the workshopping first, where you 
other writers read it with you and, and give suggestions and and uh, and then it goes to the editor and then there's the editing mm -hmm, right and then there's and then there's a whole publishing sequence that, that happens um, so all of that takes more time than just writing the the story uh, and uh, so you know it's now six years since I retired and I've written three that I've published and one that's getting a couple months away from going to the editor. Okay. So okay. Hope, hopefully I'll have, have it out later 2023. So you're, you're about there with, with the fourth one. Um, let's move on to the next one then. Okay. This, uh, f first of all, a uh, breath and mercy. This is mm -hmm. uh, a frightening birth of the HIV pandemic. Um, tell me about that part of it. First of all. Okay. Well, it's it set. It starts out with the the main character Phineas Mann is a medical student. Okay. And uh, and so the the first part of what he's dealing with is taking care of patients who are dying. He's never been around anybody who's died. You know, he's right. he's okay. he grew up hunting, shot a deer, fishing. You know, dealt with you know fish flopping around in the creel before you dressed them. You know, he's he's seen animals die, but he's never seen a person die until he's a medical student. So it's, it's about that. Um, but then he goes through his training. And of course, he has all, you know, more experiences with that and more trying to figure out what to, to do about that. But in his training um, is at the time when HIV started. Okay. You know, 1981 yeah. was when the first big publication came out on, on uh, a complication of, of a HIV. And soon after the condition was called AIDS. Right. Uh, and, it go, go through. and there was a time when there was a lot of it. We, when, you know, when I started my career, it, the, saw the first cases of it and we didn't know what it was. Uh -huh. We didn't know what was causing it. We didn't know it was a virus behind it. It, it. it was a couple of years before they figured out that there was a virus behind it. We didn't yeah. know, were we exposed? Were we in danger? You know, we were taking care of these patients. Right. We're, we're were we putting ourselves at risk and our families at risk and such? You know, we, so it's some of that's the, what he go, he has to go through in his 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 head while he's doing this work, right? Um, and, that's and we, some there was scary no, stuff. You know, when, when, I, I had never really thought of that before, but that's really scary. I mean, I understand doctors put themselves at risk, you know, when they're treating people, but especially that. I mean, you know, just brand new. Something that never, you know, people hadn't seen before, and that had to be terrifying for you guys in 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 your, you know, in your community and the people that you worked with and everything, not knowing what it was and wondering if, you know, just being around somebody, you were going to fall into something that couldn't be cured. I mean, you know, that's that's some scary stuff. There, there were doctors who 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 managed to get ex occupational exposures and before there was any treatment right and, and to come to it that that yeah, did happen horrible. yeah that's horrible that's horrible a lot of us you know we we all thought about it i'm sure uh, but we all most of us kept it to ourselves yeah well um, that you know uh, professionalism you know uh again you're to be commended for that now so nature's you, you, if you want to go ahead go, yeah I, I, I was just going to mention nature's bite but yeah I'm, i want you to finish yeah. what whatever you want to get out there go ahead yeah, what I was going to say is that some of the first part of, of uh, Breath and Mercy is what's going through the young doctor's head as he's taking care of all these people. Okay. okay. 
Yeah. Then, well, that's interesting stuff. You know, that, that would, that would draw me in for sure. Now nature's bite, I'm looking at a picture here and people that are uh, watching this uh, presentation in video form, I'm showing you that cover on the screen right now. Um, now this is the, the cover is what's got me. I'm going to let you explain this a little bit, okay? The cover's what got me because it looks like we got a picture of the White House and a tornado is right behind it about to take it out. So I'll let you explain that a little bit. Well, I have a wonderful cover artist. Yes, you do. Uh, Const <laughs> Constellation Book Services uh, does, my, does my cover for me. Um, the, the main character, as I said, he gets... Um, you know, with climate change, there's a lot of bad storms happening, uh -huh. and uh, and there are the, the, this takes place over a summertime when there are this hurricane after hurricane after hurricane that's hitting North Carolina and other parts of the southeastern United States, and well, you know, they hit Texas too. Oh yeah, um, where, been where, through it. Where, where we where we live is a the Cape Fear River comes up from Wilmington, and and we call that Hurricane Alley. <laughs> because it seems like that's where they want to focus. And so they're pretty bad in, in, during this summer of, uh, that the story takes place in 2024. And they're knocking out power right and left. And, and uh, so they're, they're dealing with that. But um, the main character, again, he's, 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 in, he's 70 now. Uh, and he's, he's get, kind of winding down his career. And part of what he's doing is he's doing some uh, clinical trials. Um, he's, he's studying a new drug that's not yet re been released. Uh, for taking care of asthma. And, you know, climate change doesn't just affect the weather. It, you know, it affects people's health. And, uh, and, and there are a couple of conditions that it talks about. One of them is asthma, and he's having, you know, seeing more difficult patients with it. Uh, but the other one is a condition called alpha-gal syndrome. I don't know if you've heard of that. Never heard of it, no. Texas, being from Texas, you probably have seen a lone star tick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen about every yeah. tick there is. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, lone star ticks carry alpha gal syndrome. Oh, okay. or they, 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 what they, or they can cause it. If, okay. they, if they bite you, they can make you allergic to mammalian meat. Mm. Anything basically, mm -hmm. any meat that you know has fur associated with it, um, you can become allergic to. So you can oh, become no, allergic. No, I can't have meat, that happen. I cannot have that happen. No. Uh -uh. Right. So no. You, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to be bit by a lone star tick then. No, so, I do and, not. And, <laughs> and, I do and, not. Anyways, that, that that condition figures into this book prominently, okay. uh, and uh, and and so Phineas is involved in the study of this new drug, and then, and as I said, he gets sucked into intrigue at the highest levels, and I, I won't say who or what. Um, well, it, he, it just it, tells me here that it begins with uh, Marie Porter. A young doctor with a hidden past. So now you you got some intrigue that goes into it right off the top. You were talking about hurricanes and that kind of stuff. I I lived uh, one time. I was stationed down in the Houston area in the airlines, mm -hmm. and we had a hurricane come up. Um, and I was brand new. I was brand new in the industry. Okay, so we called headquarters to find out what we were going to do when this 
hurricane came in and said, oh, well, if it gets real bad, we'll send you a plane. And I told people that, <laughs> okay? I told people that that were working with me, and they said, they just lied to you. Do you really think they're going to send a multi-million dollar airplane down here for us? We're out of luck. You know, the best thing we can do is duck and cover. That's all we <laughs> And he was right, by the way. He was right, because when it hit, there was no rescue plane there was planes left on the tarmac upside down but there was no rescue plane mm-hmm. had to throw that one in had to throw that one in on you mark okay now um you got two doctors become embroiled against their wishes in all this yeah, different she, intrigue right yeah she's she works for the company that's making this new drug okay and uh and, and she comes she takes this job because she wants to work with Phineas Mann, and she has personal reasons for that. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you what they are because they're... No, nah, we're going to stay away from no, all that. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we want people to buy the book, which, by the way, I want you to mention your website again, please, and uh, give people uh, that web address. The, the easiest thing to remember is markanthonypowers.com. Yeah. It's real easy, and I can tell you, I'm, uh, for those of you, again, that are watching this in visual form, you see me looking over here, that's because I'm reading, I mean, I'm on his website right now, and I'm looking at it, and it is a well-designed website, very informative. I do encourage everybody to go there and take a look at it, and also order the book so you got a chance. You got, uh, they got a special going on right now where you can get all three of the eBooks in the series on Amazon for only $9.99. That's a deal for three books, and it sets you up for uh, novel number four. Do you have a working title, or do you have a finished title for uh, book number four? All right. Uh, it's a working title. Okay. Um, I, the people in my novelist group really like it. Uh, the other, other people have heard about it and said, no, nah, I'm not so sure. But it, 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 this guy, the, the main character, Phineas Mann, he's old now, and he's got a physical condition, and Okay. It kind of makes people kind of discard him, kind of push him aside, think he doesn't right. have much to offer. Uh-huh. And uh, so the title of the book is Culled, C-U-L-L-E-D, so far, like he's been culled aside. Right, you know, right. Like, like they mm-hmm. do with chickens that get bird flu or something like that, or, or yeah. he's, he's, he's been discarded, basically. Yeah. Uh, he shows up for, you know, he still goes to teaching conferences at the hospital, but he's too too impaired to actually take care of patients but he, he he still consults on tough cases and he still teaches some when when the young doctors get over thinking mm-hmm. that you know he doesn't have mm-hmm. anything to offer by looking at him right um you know, I'll tell you he's got severe parkinson's disease in okay. this in this con- okay. in this case okay. um well he needs a walk know, i um i don't know if if i go see it i told you i don't go to doctors but, you know, unless there's something like really you know, really bad. I'm, I will go to a doctor if I'm sick, sick, sick. Okay. Um, but whenever I go to see a doctor, I always feel better. Now, again, this is me personally. So people out there, please pay attention. You understand this is just me, just me and only me. Um, I always feel comfortable walking into a doctor's office and seeing some gray hair. You know, I'm not, I don't mean that literally, but, you know, in other words, I, I look for that doctor that I feel like has got like a lot of experience in, if we're, uh, is instead of somebody that's just out of medical school, maybe just out of an internship or something like that. 
Um, I, I trust the people, the, the old timers. And again, don't take that the wrong way. Um, the ones with a, what I feel like are a lot of experience. But what you just said was um, the younger doctors thinking that the old, older ones don't have anything to contribute or that are running out of things to contribute. Is that a thing? I mean, is that something that really occurs in your field or your past field in, in medicine where the younger doctors do not listen a lot to the older ones? Or is that just something that you did for this book? Well, the book is mostly to, in that, in that vein, it's to look at ageism. You know, okay. it's, it's the, you know, the bias that people have right. um, against somebody who's older and maybe looks physically like they, they're worn out. Um, and so it, it looks up, and it looks at bias in general. That's that's the theme okay. of this one is how pe people can make up their mind about something without looking at everything about right. it. Right, uh, right, right. Okay. And and so they, um, and, and there's a case in this that where there's some bias. Okay. The, the, the doc the, the doctor makes a, a wrong diagnosis because of bias, okay. and uh, and the and our main character has to solve that, um, and even though he's physically a wreck he he's still mentally sharp and he's seen about everything in his career i'll be honest with you i i help train fellows uh in residence a lot uh -huh. and there are a lot there are a lot of good young doctors you know some right. of our people coming right out of their training um i would go to you know i would think they're they're very good um but i also thought that as i was training them i had stuff i could i could teach them right yeah, and, uh, yeah. experience yeah absolutely yeah all right, now, Mark, we're down to about the last three minutes of the podcast wow. today. Yeah, it goes quick, huh? Um, yeah. And what I want to do here, and what I, I try to do this with all my guests, is give you that last three minutes. I want you to hit on whatever you want to hit on, uh, anything that, that you'd like to, the uh, public to know out there. And, uh, sir, it's, it's all yours. Wow. Well, I, I'd like the public to read my books and uh and i i i like uh, feedback on them you know so people leaving reviews that that helps me a lot it helps me as a writer it helps sure. helps uh people uh want to look at my books uh when they read people's reviews about them uh it uh, i i appreciate when people share um my connections with with others other readers as i i i very much would like to reach more readers um and so sharing my uh, follow me on social media i'm on twitter um at at mark uh, low underline a underline powers and, and uh you can follow me there um i'm on uh, instagram if you want i i have just just getting started with that and i'm, I'm uh, posting some there that's a lot of pictures and stuff but uh right. you get to see pictures of my garden if you if you uh, <laughs> go on there and the, and the vegetables are starting to really go crazy right there now there you so. go yeah. Uh, yeah yeah you even so, got yeah I, I didn't even know i didn't know you were gardener you know that's i'm, I'm actually a certified master gardener volunteer and wow so I help, uh, wow help okay. with that as well yeah. uh, so and, and i love I, I try to grow as much of our food as i as i can uh, and uh, and bee bees are livestock. You know, we raise the bees. You have to think of them as like chickens or something like that because yeah. you got to take care of them. You got to make sure that, that everything is done that they need because they're not going to make it if you just leave them be. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, 
Well, I so got anyways, experience uh, going out uh, when I was a kid um, collecting eggs. I, I, I can do that. I can milk a cow, um, but I've never had anything to do with bees. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Okay, for obvious reasons. But uh, anyway, Mark, um, you have got a, a tremendous amount of material here, and I do encourage people uh, to go take a look at it, and hopefully uh, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll get a few sales off of this. I, I hope, because yeah. uh, you know it, it's got me intrigued enough to, to take a look at it. And one more time with the website address, if you don't mind. Sure. MarkAnthonyPowers.com. I'll, I'll lowercase, and it'll take you right to me. And, and there's videos on there, too, you can watch. I have videos of a, of a bee swarm and videos of extracting honey and... and uh, <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that, are, that didn't see that, you see, I, I did a little panic thing there because, you know, anytime I see a bee, I'm ready to run. But uh, anyway, uh, Mark, I do appreciate you being on uh, It's Primetime Somewhere, and I wish you nothing but the greatest success with your books and with your new career. You've closed out one chapter medically, and you're, and you're in a completely new one. Thank you again, sir, for being on today. It's-